What can an ordained minister who grew up in South Africa in the throes of apartheid and who was also a Red Sox fan teach us about gratitude? We'll find out coming up next in this episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to this, another edition of the Gratitude Journal podcast on really a break weather-wise from some rain. We Here in Northeast Ohio, it's just been so incredibly damp and overcast, and yours truly finally snuck in 20 minutes to fuel up the lawnmower and actually do some damage to the front lawn, maybe for the last time. So I don't know what's happening in your part of the world, but here it's been pretty overcast. And uh, we finally got out. So that's the good part. So welcome back to this edition of the Gratitude Journal podcast. And what I normally like to do at the beginning of the podcast is just kind of refresh my memory and refresh all of your uh, memories about what the purpose of this podcast is, because, you know, podcasts need to have a purpose. They should have some kind of niche, I guess. Uh, And then again, there's no rules involved in podcasts. You can pretty much do whatever you want. And as a 35 plus your broadcast professional who has been inundated with rules. This is kind of the good thing about the podcast world is that you don't really have to be tied down with a bunch of rules. But what I like to do is at least try to emphasize what I like to do with this podcast, and that is to find little slivers of gratitude in our everyday life. Hopefully not focusing on the things that we've done in the past, because I know I've done that a lot, as you know. And not so much looking towards the future, but what are the things around us that we can appreciate and find gratitude for and be thankful for? So that is the purpose, I think, for this podcast. And this is also kind of a new step in the podcast because, as you know, throughout the course of its history, I've really only had a couple of opportunities to have guests. And one of those guests was via a Zoom broadcast. And as you might recall, we had a lot of issues with. Uh, connectivity. And so today, Matthew, yours truly, is on the road and not on the road too terribly far from the basement lair where I normally record the Gratitude Journal podcast. I've kind of ventured out towards downtown Akron and I'm in uh, the beautiful facility here at the First Congregational Church of Akron. And uh, Reverend Nanette Pitt, who is the senior minister here, has agreed to sit down uh, we're masked up, so we're uh, practicing safe social distancing, and to talk a little bit about maybe her feelings about being thankful and about having gratitude. So before I venture out any further, uh, Reverend Nanette, thank you very much for being a part of the Gratitude Journal podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you, Matthew. I really appreciate it a whole lot. Um, one of the challenges for me as the people who listen to this podcast know is that um, due to the situation involving uh, my wife, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in early 2019, which really prompted this podcast, I have had some challenges in trying to figure out day-to-day how to be thankful for the things that are around me, because I think those of us who experience this horrible disease sort of have a propensity for wanting to figure out how to look back on when things were better and preparing for all the gruesome things that are going to come down the road. So 
this has been a challenge for me, and I think that's what really prompted you know this podcast. So, um, what I sometimes like to do before I start these episodes and is maybe look over some quotes that might help me uh, dictate the flow of it. And when I did a little bit of research about thankfulness and gratitude, I came across several quotes that I kind of wanted to throw out on the table and maybe get some of your feelings about. And the first one is, interestingly enough, a, a Buddhist proverb. And that proverb says, enough is a feast. So I like that. Um, is enough enough for all of us, in your opinion? Absolutely. I think that uh, by nature of uh, the idea of a feast, we always, uh, or we can, think of excess. But what good does excess actually do us? You know, when, when is the moment when we are replete and that is enough? I know that, uh, that often we think on holidays we have to wear a stretchy belt or stretchy pants because we're going to want to eat more than <laughs> our full, right? And we're coming up to Thanksgiving quickly. And so, guilty, you know, guilty. Yeah, yeah, there's something good about eating uh, on holidays, maybe even a little more than you think you would otherwise uh, want or, or need. And I think we think of that when we think of a feast, we think of the holidays. And we think of just wanting one more slice of that favorite pie. Um, and there is something great about that. But I think that the philosophy behind that quote is rich. And um, it is a good practice for us spiritually because enough is enough. We are sati satiated when we've had enough, right? And there's sometimes that point when we don't listen to our own bodies or our own hearts and we push ourselves to do more, to be more, to want more, and to fill ourselves with more, that we actually uh, begin to hurt ourselves. And so I like that quote. Uh, thank you for offering that. Yeah, enough is a feast. Thank you. I, I really, I think uh, your insights were, uh, were really plentiful and, and really beneficial. So... Um if I had to say, without you giving it a whole lot of thought, tell us one thing that you're immediately grateful for today on this 28th day of October. A good night's sleep last night <laughs> <laughs> would be my knee-jerk reaction because I haven't been sleeping that well. We've had a, uh, a cycle of a full moon, I suppose maybe even a harvest moon recently, and I find that... that uh, you know, when the, when the seasons change, when my seasonal allergies set in, when, uh, when uh, the nights are suddenly colder, you know, um, you've got to think about rearranging how you sleep, what blankets you use. And there are always a few nights where uh, you don't sleep as well. So uh, last night I slept well. So that would be my gratitude today. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, I want to put out um, a... Bible verse from Thessalonians. Quote, this is 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In your opinion, uh, Reverend Nanette, why does God urge us to be grateful? 
I think there are a few different reasons for that. I think the one is that an attitude of gratitude is one of um, health and well-being. I think that the life of faith, uh, however it is practiced in different traditions even, is one of understanding well-being as different from one's everyday happiness, per se. It's a deeper sense of contentment and a trust in something that is more everlasting, on the things that are more real than what seems to be right in front of us. And I think that the, the narrative often woven into our faith is one of subjugated, oppressed people, sinful people, however, however you want to understand, people who are trapped and caught within this world, placing their trust and their well-being in something that isn't measurable in the standards of this world. And so that, I think, is why we're called to give thanks, because ultimately we're called to understand that our well-being is not reliant, in fact, on whether, in, whether or not we're even well in this life, or whether or not we're even uh, fed or rich or, you know, it's, it's looking at all of those things like poverty and well-being and richness as having a different value, as having um, meaning something else and placing, uh, you know, you referred to in your introduction, looking backwards versus looking forwards and knowing ourselves to be all right in the right here and now. Because in some extent, we don't have the future yet and the past is no longer really with us apart from our own imaginings and the voices in our head and so all we have is the moment we live in and i think many faith traditions including christianity call us to understand our well-being in this moment each and every moment As someone who has grown up in the Roman Catholic tradition and has tested the waters with a variety of other approaches, um, I think this concept of being in the now or being in the moment is both right on and extremely difficult. You know, this, this, this Zen Buddhist tradition of you know, doing sitting meditation and facing just yourself, that you are in front of you and there's no getting around it. And this, I think, this approach, this, this feeling sometimes is something very challenging to both absorb, comprehend, and make a part of your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been said that, uh, of all the people to whom Jesus ministered, there seems to be a small record of those people actually thanking him. One of the things that I grapple with is sometimes is, is not being appreciated. I mean, some of us, I think, do maybe at our jobs or inside of our relationship, and we feel underwhelmed or we feel that the coworkers around us or our boss or our friends don't completely grasp how important we either are to their lives or to their company or to their business. And sometimes we feel underappreciated. Um, does that ever affect you? And if so, how do you grapple with it? Life is a thankless task. I mean, um, I think that we, we know from the statistics of people's attitudes toward 
uh, customer service issues that they're far more likely to complain. I think it's something like 14 times more likely to let others know of a bad experience versus a good experience. And I remember those statistics from maybe 15 years ago. So maybe, you know, I don't know what they would even be more recently. But I know that human nature, obviously, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily predispose us to Thanksgiving, which might be another way that reason that that's emphasized. And yes, we often feel much more aware of our own burdens and our own realities than we do of others. I'm grateful for my role and the vocation to which I feel called because I find that it constantly pulls me into very real conversations with people. The task of ministry and the life of the church is to create space where real conversations are facilitated and had. And in those conversations, I find great meaning and great um, consolation to the very point you mentioned, so that I find at the end of a day, I'm not looking necessarily for a word of thanks. I feel... um, very blessed to have been able to accompany people in uh, life's often most joyous and most trying times. And so, um, so I feel very blessed for the job I do and very thankful for my, for my role and my vocation. But I recognize that um, we're all human and we, we, we need to feel appreciated. And the way that I interpret that, if I think about my other relationships in my life, my friendships, um, my engagements in civic life, those kinds of connections that I have in my life, I think that in order to uh, to be the recipient of goodness, we need to be prepared to give goodness. And, and I think that's one way in which we can begin to determine the relationships and the roles we have. But it's, it's always good to evaluate where life has led us and is leading us. Um, and I think there's something to be said for being part of relationships that are Um, fruitful and that uh, feed one's soul and then in which one can also reciprocate and feed another's soul and bring joy. Um, And I think that for uh, doing what we've always done is not necessarily what we always should be doing, you know. So I think that if, if, you know, if there were a listener who was feeling that they were in a, in a, in a position where they were completely underappreciated in a relationship, I think that's cause for consideration, whether that's talking with a counselor, a mental health professional, or a tr- another trusted friend, or someone like a pastor or a, a spiritual guide. I think that, that that's worth evaluating because um, it is good to be in an environment and in relationships where, where you are feeling appreciated on some level, not always maybe thanked overtly, right. but deeply appreciated. That's an important part of life. It's right. an important part of relationship. Right. It's interesting, uh, that point that you bring up, because it seems lately, especially during COVID, where people seem to have more opportunity, more time to reflect on where they are at, mm-hmm. at this point. Absolutely. I see more and more people who seem to be taking sort of a reevaluation of the people that are in their lives. And, and really, at least... Ten times, you know, in the past year and a half, I've come across people who do these sort of random posts on social media sites and they'll say, I'm, I'm sort of extricating, you know, the people that are, you know, no longer a part of, you know, who I am and uh, that can benefit me or that I can benefit them, which is an important point, uh, an important part. Um, it seems like this space where we want 
non-negative impact in our life from people, we maybe we all eventually at some point get to that point where we realize that there are certain people that just are not, certain people or certain things that just aren't the best for us, you know, in our, in our headspace at any one time. Mm-hmm. Before I go any further, I, I was uh, a little remiss in asking you to maybe give us all a short synopsis of what brought you here and what brought you into ministry and, and how you came to arrive in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, so um, I have an accent, obviously. I was born uh, in South Africa, right at the bottom end of the African continent. And my family and my husband's family are still there, uh, apart from um, one of my brother-in-law lives on the West Coast. So um, my husband and I have been here for a long time, 21 years, actually. This year is the 21st year that we've been here. And in 2018, we were blessed to become citizens of the United States. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, So it was a long journey, and uh, uh, the journey into ministry was, as it is for many, a lifelong call to uh, recognize that I felt called to make a difference and bless the world around me. And that, for me, as a white South African Um, having been raised partly under the apartheid regime, which separated people out uh, based on race politically and socially, I felt was um, best lived out by the, uh, by, by, through the church and in this call to ministry. Um, As I understood it, that's a place where I'm able to speak truth to power prophetically, have the real conversations that I mentioned earlier, aiding people and helping people in very real ways. Helping, I think, the church, in my opinion, reclaim a truly moral voice around issues of poverty and oppression and um, any of the isms you might want to mention, racism, homophobia, classism, sexism, all of those things. I think the church can play an important role in speaking a higher value and a a greater morality to those issues um, and being a unifying and a harmonizing force in the world. And I wanted to be a part of that, recognizing at the same time that obviously no institution is perfect, uh, but no person is perfect either. So uh, I just uh, want to be on the side of good and on the side of love in this life. And uh, so my husband and I met in South Africa and uh, he was a journalist at the time and Um, had a job offer, we thought for a short time, in Boston, Massachusetts at a daily paper. So we moved to Boston for 12, lived there for 12 years. What what we thought was going to be a short time in the U.S., we never aimed to be immigrants, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. But uh, but, um, as I see it, God had different plans. And so our lives unfolded into what has now been an interesting journey to Akron via Connecticut for three years. And I arrived in Akron coming here to serve uh, First Congregational Church as their senior pastor. And what's interesting about my call to Akron, it feels like a very familiar town because in South Africa, I grew up in a town called Port Elizabeth, which is where Goodyear and Firestone oh, there? had their factories. <laughs> and uh, so I grew up in a, in a rubber city. Yeah. I grew up in a, in a rubber town just like Akron in many ways. Uh, obviously, some very distinct differences, different continent, different culture, different um, history. But in some ways, on the blue-collar worker side of it, it's another industrial town that right. has many of the same markers 
that Akron does, right. um, which has been something familiar and something warm. And I've grown to really love Akron in the seven years that uh, I've been here. Was Christianity a large part of your household while you were being brought up? That's a fascinating question, Matt. Not many people ask me that, but no, it wasn't necessarily. My mother has a very broad view of of uh, spirituality. Um, she comes out of the Christian tradition. I was raised in a um, single-parent household okay. for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I was raised in a very Christian country, very Calvinist, Protestant country. Um, and so that certainly did rub off on me. And under apartheid, there was no separation of church and state. So right. we were taught religion at school. And it was a Calvinist, Reformed, Protestant religion. But I didn't grow up in the tradition that I'm currently in. Okay. And uh, and I grew quite disillusioned with the church. But at the same time, as a South African, I was aware of folk like um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu and other religious leaders who made a stand against what was happening in my country. And so I always knew that there was something about that. There was something redeeming inside of religion and Christianity. And at a point... In my life, um, I had lived through um, a domestic violence situation when my mother had remarried, um, unfortunately, a very active alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a young person, I, I um, didn't have much reason to give gratitude or feel much hope. And I found my way into um, youth groups and uh, Christian worship services that really were a salvation for me at that time. That spoke of an abiding love and a, and a reason to be hopeful. And so I look back on that now, as well as the ministry. And actually, this is another funny connection to Akron, but as, re- uh, as well as the ministry, my mother joined Al-Anon. And so I spent many years of my growing up time going to a group called Alateen, uh, associated oh, with the okay. Al-Anon mm-hmm. for younger people. And uh, and that, of course, is another connection to Akron through that movement. But that movement combined with my church experience, I think, really laid in place, perhaps beside my grandmother's prayers for me, laid in place what has become my foundation of my belief system. And when, when my husband and I moved to the United States, we found a tradition that we feel married with those values um, in terms of social justice and uh, a focus on on uh, a, a redeeming and inspiring religious interpretation. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, I, my wife and I have ventured down here a couple of times, and I, I believe I remember you mentioning at one point to everybody about Boston and then coming to Akron. Yeah. So the Minimalists podcast is very popular right now, urging us to limit our need and our desire for things. Where does desire fit for you? Mm, Another rich question. I think desire is a good thing. I think it is a gift that we have. It allows us to feel alive and it can fuel our passion for things that are important to us and that are valuable in the world around us. But I think that we live in a consumerist and individualistic society. And that that combined, the nexus of those three things, is dangerous for us as humans Mm -hmm. when we're dealing with corporations that have literally turned addiction into a science. 
whether it's a social media platform or the advertisers who who um, let us know about products. Right. And so, uh, as human beings, we we have fallen or can fall, and I say have by generalization into a trap of coming to understand desire as a way of short circuiting um, some of the spiritual discipline of waiting and of being satisfied with what we have. And we interpret desire as uh, want versus need. And I think sometimes, I think we've been challenged this last year. I mean, it's been longer than this last year, but I know that for many uh, Americans living within the sort of hegemonic status quo, this last year has been one of a revelation about what the landscape of, of the United States of America actually looks like in terms of, for example, race. And what would it look like if we all actively allowed our desire for an integrated and unified, harmonized society that celebrates its diversity? What if we allowed our desire for that to inform our every action, our right. decisions, every decision, right. not based on a spiritual belief or on a uh, political belief or anything other than just a desire for that thing, for us to live in harmony, celebrating our diversity, not that it would change who I am or who any particular person is, but giving everyone the freedom to live their life out. You know, how would that, how would that look? And so I think desire if it is put to uh if it is put to the common good and to the good of everyone versus me and myself and only my benefit um and the things i could buy or get for myself but if it's seen as a more universal principle if it's seen as something that is more um spiritual in nature, mm -hmm. then I think it could it could aid us. There's, you know, I don't see desire as being a wrong thing or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think on a large scale, we have been challenged, especially during COVID, to figure out the meaning behind doing something for somebody else on a large scale basis, you know, with the vaccine. But it seems like on a smaller scale, we're going to be challenged even more now that Stores like Target and everything else supposedly have empty shelves. And, you know, we are not used to waiting around. We're not mm -hmm. used to having things denied to us, mm -hmm. you know, because of these desires that we have. And I think on the flip side, many people spent a lot of time during the pandemic buying things online, filling time with online shopping. And, and for some of those people, it was while they were cleaning out and, and, you know, evaluating what they did want to keep and what they would like to have instead. But uh, consumerism plagues us and our expectation that we should get what we want now, you know, um, as you mentioned, we are not very patient. Right. I remember an era when I was a child and perhaps it was just living in South Africa, but, you know, if you went to the grocery store and if you went at the wrong time of day or too late in the day, there wouldn't be the cut of meat. I remember my grandmother or my mother not getting the cut of meat they had wanted. Whereas now we, we have stores that have to throw out meat because it's past its uh, sell-by date. You know?
As people on this podcast know, my wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, in January of 2019. And I think this podcast sort of emerged out of that, both as a way to, I guess, just get things off my chest. Uh, I mean, I do talk to somebody, but a, a way for me to just to verbalize things. And she listens to the podcast and she sometimes enjoys it. And I think that um, that was my way of trying to help myself to deal with this. So this act of counting your blessings seems to be an ongoing and sometimes a kind of a painstaking challenge for me. I know that counting your blessings is appreciated in one way within the construct of Christianity and within the construct really of any religion. But if someone sought your opinion who did not have a connection to either an organized faith or a connection to Christianity, how would you approach the aspect of counting your blessings? Hmm. Well, I think that none of us know what tomorrow holds. That's, I think, one of the scariest parts of receiving a diagnosis like Alzheimer's is that the rest of us live with the fated impression that we will live forever. Our default is to behave as if our death is never going to arrive. Mm -hmm. But for those of us who go to the doctor and have that horrific experience of the tests, the waiting for the diagnosis and then the diagnosis, whatever it may be, whether it's a cancer or an autoimmune or, or other disease, right? And so I've learned through my work with the church that these are assumptions we make and they're, they're, they're sort of um, illusions, if you like, mm -hmm. that, we, that we live with and mm -hmm. that we die with often. Because even for folk who end up with very, very harsh diagnoses, sometimes after walking with them for many years, that's not even the thing that they end up dying from. Right. So I know that life is more uh, complicated than we are able to want to deal with sometimes. And, and life, life is more complex. So I think if I were encouraging somebody to count their blessings, it would be from a perspective of our not being able to control our future, no matter what that may be, whether we've received a diagnosis or not. And that when we live in the now with an attitude that, uh, with an awareness of what we're grateful for, we are able to settle more easily into the moment. Mm -hmm. When we live with an attitude um, that opens us to the blessings, we're also therefore opening our hearts to what might be possible. One of the things that our scriptures in, in the Christian tradition speak about often is a hardness of heart. Uh, Stiff-necked people, one of our prophets calls us. <laughs> You know, uh, we, we, we can easily close ourselves off. We can easily um, make ourselves uh, harden our hearts, especially the longer. Sometimes it's not even related to the number of years you've lived, but certainly after many experiences of mm -hmm. hurt, mm -hmm. it makes sense that we close ourselves off and we become fearful of one another and even sometimes of ourselves. And so I think often 
we, we forget that these are the reasons that things like uh, confession and the seeking of absolution are introduced, are not to shame us, but to release us, mm-hmm. to continually allow us to come back to a place where our hearts can be open. And in, in, in accompaniment to speaking our truths, uh, confessing or testifying to our experiences, we have the opportunity to grasp through gratitude or thanksgiving the things that are good or are for us. That doesn't deny any of the bad stuff that right. might be happening. Right, right. But it allows us to understand that, like Psalm 23 says, even through the valley of the shadow of death. So it's not denying that the valley of the shadow of death exists. Our faith doesn't promise us that we only have the mountaintop moments. And that's what's so beautiful about believing in a Savior, in a God who came to be with us as Savior. And a Savior who walked and understood our hurt, pain, and even death. Is that the life of faith isn't about avoiding the hard things, even unto death. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding that in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, God is still for us. God accompanies us through the presence of the Spirit, through the example and the teachings and the presence of Jesus Christ in the Christian tradition. And that even in those darkest of moments, we are not alone. And that, that I think, is easier to understand and be open to if we are constantly able to recognize the blessings that are around us. It's a glass half full or a glass half empty analogy. Exactly. Right. Exactly. One of the other quotes that I wrote down here, I mentioned I had written a couple of quotes to try to prepare a little bit for this, is is from the German theologian Meister Eckhart, who says, quote, if the only prayer you said was thank you, that would be enough. Yes. Anything else that you would like to share with Gratitude Journal podcast listeners slash download? I'm used to saying listeners because I come from a 30-year-plus radio broadcast tradition. So I'm used to people listening in real time, and really nobody listens to these in real time anymore. (laughs) So anything else about gratitude that you would like to chime in with? Because you've done a really excellent job at bringing up so many salient points about it. Thank you. I think just to encourage as we're coming up to Thanksgiving, to encourage people to think about a practice related to gratitude that they might uh, um, actively take on for this period of time. I know that within the religious traditions, we sometimes think of Advent and Lent as being times when we put more energy into taking on a spiritual practice. But, you know, I I know of uh, um, a dear friend who for a period of time, wrote one card every day to say thank you to someone and to recognize them. Excellent. So earlier on when I we were really speaking like about like how do we lot. feel, you know, how do we feel thanked or how do we appreciate others, uh, there are practices we could um, embody, whether it's giving a compliment each day to a partner, um, whether it's writing a card to someone we haven't seen for a long time, whether it's keeping, as you mentioned, a gratitude journal in which we close the day out by, by thinking of things that we are grateful for, uh, the simple things, like a good night's sleep or a <laughs> warm meal. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, I think that um, a, a practice, our faith is really uh, about practice, and our sense of spirituality grows when we practice, 
when we exercise those muscles and practice. So I would encourage folk to take on a practice that isn't just about eating that pie on that one day that's coming up, right. but on truly being thankful the season. That's a really interesting uh, point and a, and a great way to end this. My, I have a friend who I went to Catholic seminary with. I was in the seminary for three years, and, and now he's a pretty devout Tibetan Buddhist, but his whole world revolves around practice. And he often tells me that this is really the central part of my life, is being able to practice this, knowing within that practice both the successes that I have and the deficiencies that I have, and then I continue to work on those. So I think those are really important points. Um, well, I want to thank you for taking the time to share some of your thoughts and insights on gratitude. Uh, I think uh, they were brilliant. My other question, as a person who is now a citizen and has been in Northeast Ohio for such a long time, I'm assuming you're a Cleveland Browns fan now, right? <laughs> I think I'm going to tactfully not answer. I I, I will admit that um, that I always support the hometown uh, the, the hometown folk, but I don't actually watch that much okay. sport. If I'm if I'm truly honest, I don't watch that much sport. But um, but but yeah, I'm I'm probably more uh, more of a um, baseball fan, if anything. Oh, okay. Having having come to Boston first, so, right? So don't push me too hard on that one, right? Right. Uh, especially given my name, no, no, Nanette was no. a uh, was tied to the Boston Red Sox, <laughs> right? Right. But um, but I I I, I certainly would support the Browns. <laughs> Although when people ask me to pray for sports teams, right. I always say that uh, I'm in marketing, not management. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Browns for a long time need a lot of management. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's that's for sure. So, and I apologize for what happened to the Red Sox that they didn't advance in the playoffs. So I feel bad about that. Uh, but at any rate, thank you very much for being a part of the podcast and for the rest of you. Um, if you oh, before I before I sign off for those people who are listening who are in the area, maybe you'd like to share a little bit about the First Congregational Church. Where can they attend? What times do they attend? Uh, the website and all that other information. Yeah, we're so we're First Congregational Church of Akron, located uh, at two ninety two East Market Street. And for those who are not in the area, we have a YouTube channel. You can look us up, First Church Akron, and uh, welcome to join us on Sundays live at nine or eleven. And uh, we're um, obviously also available online through a variety of other. Um, we, you know, some of our music is out there, some some talks that have been hosted at the church, some worship services. So uh, we're a vibrant, active congregation. We also have a large food pantry that operates every Tuesday morning from 9.30 to 10.30. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that you shared some of your busy day with me and with the podcast, so I appreciate that a lot. And for everyone else, I appreciate you too for taking the time to uh, invest in uh, this podcast. So until then, uh, thank you for downloading and listening to another episode of this, the Gratitude Journal podcast. <laughs>